This week on Twip Weddings, we conclude our three-part series discussing how to manage your online presence by focusing on social media. From Twitter to Facebook, Google+, Pinterest, and Instagram, it seems like there's a constant fire hose of information coming from social media with everyone vying for your attention. As wedding photographers, how do we participate in that stream and ensure that our voices are being heard and that potential clients are seeing our message? And welcome back to another episode of Twip Weddings. Uh, my name is Bruce Clark, and once again, we've got the band back together. I'm joined in the co-host chair by Mr. Robert Evans and Mr. Brian Caparici. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. Good morning. Welcome back. Welcome back. So this week, we're going uh, to wrap up our uh, three-part series dedicated to building your online presence. So in the last couple of shows, we, we talked about strategies for building an effective website. And then on our last episode, we had Melissa Jill on uh, to talk about getting into blogging. So today, we're going to kind of take a closer look at ways to effectively manage your social media marketing. But before we get into that uh, topic and dig into the discussion, uh, we want to remind you how you can participate in the show. Uh, we've got a bunch of different ways to interact with us. First off, you can visit the website at www.thisweekinphoto.com weddings, and there you'll find the show notes for each episode, which contain links to everything we mentioned on the show. Uh, you can also leave your comments and feedback for us in the comments section. Uh, if you have a question or a suggestion for a topic uh, for a future episode, just email us. Our email address is twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com. Or if you prefer using social media, just add the hashtag twipwed to your post, and we'll periodically keep an eye out for those posts as well. And if that's not enough, uh, we're on Instagram. So you can follow us on Instagram or over there at twipwed. And we also have a Facebook group, uh, so just go to facebook.com slash groups slash twipwed, and there you'll find our Facebook group, so join our group and participate. So, without further ado, let's uh, let's jump into the show, and like I say, this, uh, this week we're going to kind of wrap up our three-part series, talking about how to manage your online presence, and we're going to focus on social media. So, I mean, we've got all these, we've got all these social media outlets, right? We've got Twitter, we've got Facebook. Google+, Pinterest, Instagram, LinkedIn, it, it, you know, everywhere there's a constant sort of fire hose of information coming from social media, and everybody's vying for your attention these days. Social media marketing is where everybody has gone. And uh, so we want to get into that and talk about, you know, as wedding photographers, how do we participate in the stream and ensure that our voices are being heard and the potential clients are seeing our message. So, wow. I wanna, where do we start? Eh? I don't know, where do we start <laughs> with all that? Well, I think let's... Let's maybe just define and start um, with a discussion about what is social media marketing as opposed to all the other types of marketing that are out there. Like, you know, we've, we've, we've touched on marketing a little bit and a little bit of advertising in previous episodes, but I don't think we've really had a, an in-depth discussion about specifically mm -hmm. about marketing. So let's maybe, um, Brian, I'll start with you. What, yeah. How would you define social media marketing? Um, okay, so social media... Um doesn't it kind of seem funny that like for the longest time social media like was the buzzword in the industry mm -hmm. and I don't know if you guys have seen it or not but it's it seems like it's kind of died down a little bit in terms of it being a buzzy thing have you found that as well just as like a quick side note I think it's just an ex expected <clears throat> part of business now yeah yeah it's like for the longest time I've actually been teaching social media um, for probably like five or six years now and I remember like the transition of what was being taught at the beginning it was almost like here's why you have to be on social media and it was like convincing people to do social media as a marketing platform and then that transitioned to to here's how you do it and then now it's almost <laughs> seems to have transitioned back to like that platform based conversation where it's like 
here's why this one's better than this one, or here's why this one is more relevant or more effective than this one. And I feel like in technology and social media today, I mean, the line between social media and an app or a platform or something is really becoming blurred, and it's almost like every day there's a new social platform. The way that I define social media is basically just um, anywhere that there can be a community of people who are socializing. <laughs> and it's it's kind of like as simple as that because you could almost make the argument, well, is a forum social media? Well, in a way it kind of is. Um, is Can a podcast create a social media platform in and of itself? Well, kind of. I mean, if we've got Twip wedding listeners that are going in commenting on the blog posts and they're engaging us on Twitter and all that stuff, like we've kind of created a version of social media in and of ourselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I kind of feel like, in general, social media is just defined as anywhere where people will converse online in a social way. Perfect. Robert, how about you? How do you how do you view? What's your take on social media as opposed to say social, you know, other forms of advertising or marketing? Well, I definitely think like, especially today, like you know, you have to be doing some form of it other than I'm still a firm believer in the one-on-one, -on -one, you know, get out there and meet people and, you know, have lunch and coffee and, and those type of things. I'll give you an example. Um, <clears throat> years ago when I moved down to Orange County from Los Angeles, um, you know, I, I was in Orange County. I'd been up in the San Fernando Valley my whole time. And so I was, like, looking at Orange County, searching Orange County things on Twitter. Now, this was probably about six or seven years ago. Um, so I was looking for more local Orange County things. Long story, I, I met this guy who, like, ran this thing called Orange County Biz Blog. And uh, we connected through Twitter. And I just reached out to the guy and said, hey, let's meet for coffee. And... That turned into, like, to, to this day, the guy still does, um, he does some marketing stuff for me, and he's just a good person, you know, like, we met one-on-one, -on -one, we've done some stuff together, so you can make those connections, and obviously you can't, you know, go meet everybody that you meet on social media, but I think it's still important to, you know, as you make those connections on social media, to go out there and still have that one-on-one -on -one FaceTime with those people, because, you know, as... Well, as we know or don't know, business is really all about relationships and building relationships and keeping those relationships. Uh, so you have to do that as well. I mean, I like social media. It does get overwhelming, you know, and we're going to talk about that. Well, which one and what's the best and mm -hmm. you know, all of that. Um, but uh, I still think you need to, you know, go do that old-fashioned route and, you know, go meet people face-to-face. Yeah, I know. That's a, yeah, I totally agree with that. I think when we, you know, when we first started kind of, when I was first starting up, you know, our, our photography company about nine years ago, um, Twitter was, was really kind of new at that time. Twitter had just kind of come along and it kind of, it really kind of kicked off at South by Southwest, but a lot of people still didn't really know about it. And at the time here in Edmonton, where I live, there was maybe maximum 200 people on Twitter in Edmonton. And we used to have these tweet ups. Um, where we all actually got together in person and got to know each other kind of face-to-face. -face. And I actually built a lot of my early business and, and a lot of my early networking and early contacts through those tweet-ups. Um, people say, oh, what do you do for, you know, you get to those talks and you say, oh, oh you're, you're a photographer. Oh, hey, you know what, I, I really, my company needs some new headshots or something. And then it just sort of grew from there, right? Now, eventually it got to the point where, you know, these tweet-ups weren't these intimate 
200 you know people that everybody knew everybody it, you know now it's you know everybody's on twitter so it wasn't those stopped happening but i still find that there's still you know it, it's that first step into then hopefully maybe meeting and networking with somebody local in your in your in your area or in your region right so yeah i totally agree that it can lead to those kind of face to face one on one you know uh, pressing the flesh kind of uh, meetups right so I almost think even if I can extend on that, I, I almost think like how you say it can lead to that. I almost think that we can be bold enough to say to listeners that the the only point of it is to is to make sure it does lead up to it. Hmm. Like I think there's so many people that um, businesses and photographers especially that they just keep it in the conversation within the social media sphere and real relationships don't actually happen on social media. True. And I know that yeah. that's like a little bit jarring for maybe some people because a lot of people think it's the be-all and end-all and, and it is really really great but I feel like social media is good for introductions it's like there's so many less walls in the way of social media I mean look at some of the people that we've even talked with here on the podcast or other relationships that have started where previously you never would have been able to reach out to these you know people to talk with them but now through social media those barriers have been lowered so it's good for introductions but I think that it has to lead to a real relationship, whether that means you're building relationships, you're booking clients, you're networking with vendors, whatever your purpose is on social media, it must lead to something that's in the flesh. And then social media can take off from there as like a maintenance top of mind thing for ongoing conversations in between the in the flesh meetups. Yeah, I think particularly when you're talking about like us as photographers and as wedding photographers, that's how work gets done. I think it might yeah. be different if you're running a business where you're maybe you're selling digital products or, or something like that, right? Where maybe you can build a big audience and a big following um, and maybe you never have to meet them in person, but you can still right. build yeah. a business. Yeah, right. in, in the context but, of a wedding photographer, I feel like it can't just live and live exclusively on social media. It needs to extend beyond what we can do on social media if you want to make a real impact in your business as a wedding photographer. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about um, where so we could begin. I don't know. There's so many different places we could go with this conversation. <laughs> but um, let's maybe talk a little bit about, let's just talk about the different social media channels that are that are out there. We sort of talked about the, you know, the how and the why. Let's talk a little bit about the how, what options are there, what you know what social networks is everybody using? Robert, let's start with you. What are your what are your what are your go-to social networks, and which ones have you found giving you kind of that best return or the best opportunity to maybe meet people, build those networks, and then grow that into business? You know, bookings and, and clients. Well, I would say I'm probably most active now on Facebook and Instagram, probably mm -hmm. uh, as most photographers. I was an early adopter of Twitter. And it's today kind of not holding my interest. I still check it from time to time. But, um, you know, when I there is some interaction. Um, but, I mean, of course, Instagram, because we're photographers and we're visual. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a quick way to look at photos, put up photos. Um, I believe there's a lot of people on there, you know, including wedding planners and other people in the wedding industry. Uh, so if you search, you know even in your area or wherever you want to search, you can find those people, uh, see what they're doing, like their stuff, become friends with them, that. And then, of course, uh, I think it's super important to have a business page for your Facebook. Um, so, you know, that then you can, that, uh, of course, can work, you know, nationally or globally, 
but also it can work very effective locally um, as far as, you know, finding people in your area that are doing what you're doing and, you know, even liking their stuff. And one thing that really will help your reach on Facebook is if you post other people's things besides just your own, especially, I mean, on your Facebook page. And um, especially if you do that on a local level, like you're looking for business in your area and locally, you know, you can start sharing other things, you know, oh, there's even whatever, if it's like a local street fair or, you know, this vendor's doing this or having an open house or those things really help with Facebook. But to answer your question, pretty much the two that I'm on the most are Instagram and, and my Facebook page. Okay. Brian, how about you? Where where do you spend or where do you focus most of your efforts and energy uh, in terms of all the different social media options that are out there and available? Um, I think for wedding photographers, the best place is going to be on Facebook, like personally. Um, that's where I focus most of my attention, kind of like Robert. Um, I think Instagram is really great, and I think that it's um, it's a really cool tool to give deeper insight into things that are going on and daily, daily happenings and all that. But the way that, and, and I mean, I've heard some photographers that do great stuff on Instagram, so I'm not saying that it doesn't work for everyone. For me, I've just noticed that um, on Instagram, it's inherently less shareable. You know, I mean, if you, you basically have people follow you, and if you post something cool, they double-click it, and they like it, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Whereas on Facebook, if I post a photo, tag my client, now all of a sudden, all their friends see it. Right. So it gets right. more engagement, it gets more shares, and it does more of what I want social media to, to do for me, which is get my, my name out there. Whereas on something like Instagram, or even to an extent like, uh, you know, I guess Twitter, maybe not quite as much, but I just find in general, if you're, who's your target market, right? I mean, brides are our target market. Most brides are not on Twitter. Most brides are on Instagram, but again, there's some limitations in how you can get things shared. Most brides are on Pinterest, but brides typically don't go to Pinterest to find a wedding photographer. They're there to create boards and get inspiration for things that they're doing. And most of the time, they don't care who took the picture. They just think the picture's pretty. Yeah. They make so, a board so they can bring it to their photographer and say, please exactly. create all these images for me. Exactly. Please so, create these images that it's not your style. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I found in general that in terms of like bang for the buck, if you're going to get, if you're going to look at the ROI scale for all the platforms, I still can't argue with the fact that um, that Facebook, in my opinion, is the best way to do it. And I think the best way to do it is to do it as a page. And I think the best way to do it is to not think that we can just do it for free. Um, and now this is a huge paradigm shift that we've gone through through Facebook marketing, um, where for the longest time we could just post pictures and tag people, and that would be all we'd have to do. Yep. Facebook has kind of you know tightened the the reins a little bit, and we do have to start paying to playing on Facebook, which I don't think is a bad thing. I mean. Just as a side note, I don't want to get into a rant about it, but I mean, like, for the longest time when this first happened, everyone was like, oh, Facebook organic reach, it's dead. We can't do anything with it anymore. And my rebuttal was always, tell me what platform you can go to to reach thousands of people for free. Like, if you wanted to advertise in a magazine, you couldn't just go and be like, oh, I want to just put my pictures there for free. Like, if you want a featured wedding in a magazine, you probably have to be an advertiser. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Typically, the way that that advertising space works, and Facebook has smartened up, they're not... They, they're a business. They have to make money for their shareholders. And so I think that it's still a great platform to use. You just have to know that you're going to have to pay something to, to use that effectively. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think... Sorry, Robert, I, I was going to say, I think that part of the... I think it's part of the... It's that if it's online, it must be free. 
yeah, that mentality, yeah. right? It's you know, if, if music is online, it's free. Mu- you yeah. know, movies they, online, they must be free. So everything should be free if it's online, and and, there, and it's you know, it's not the case, right? Including yeah. photographs. And photographs, yeah. If we're, oh, they're online. They must be free, right? Yeah, everything's free because it's online, right? Sorry, Robert. I was going gonna... to say, Brian touched on pain on Facebook, which I've done a little bit of and, and tested. And the, the photographers that are listening that aren't familiar with that, you know, you don't have to actually pay a lot of money to sort of test this out. You know, you have a Facebook page and... Again, going back to let's say you're doing something local, you put up a local wedding and portrait, whatever it is that you do. Now, you know, they have a thing that says boost this post. And if you actually click on that, it'll give you an option of um, what you want to do. But basically, you could have it just reach out to local cities around you. Uh, you could pick men or women. You can pick an age demographic. And for as little as like $5 a day, um, you can do that. Like I've done a couple things, right? Like, did I think twenty dollars a day for five days? You know, like okay, I'll spend a hundred bucks on this, and it gives you the stats and statistics on you know your reach and and how many people have seen it, and and you definitely start to see your page likes go up, and and you're reaching people right in your area, especially like say you're doing something portrait wise, and you only want to target you know uh, twenty five to forty year old mothers and only women to see it because they're usually the ones making that decision, then you can just do that and you and then as you start to define that your reach grows as far as your money spend because you're not just hitting everyone. Um, so it's definitely worth looking into and you know giving an experiment. It's not a lot to try it and see if it actually, you know, works for you. Now, do you think, and I'll ask both of you guys this, like I know some people who have said they've, they've gone that route, they said, oh yeah, I tried it for a little while, I didn't really see any results, so I gave up on it. Do you, do you think it's one of those things that you have to just stick with it and, and go with it? I haven't really tried doing any Facebook advertising. Have you guys found just like trying it on a limited scale has brought in some business and led kind of directly to booking some clients? Well, I'll let Brian run with this because I, I can see him chomping at the bit, but like any advertising, <laughs> any advertising, yes, it, you do need a little bit of a consistent campaign to measure its value. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, <laughs> I mean, obviously it's a topic I'm super passionate about, but it's also because, I mean, A, I teach it, so I, I've like, I've really gotten into the depths of it. I do like social media consulting and specifically in Facebook for a lot of photographers and other businesses, so I can see the inner workings beyond just what I do as a wedding photographer. And I think that w- when I hear things like that, where it's like, oh, I've tried it, it doesn't work. My comment is always, well, A, what did you try? Because you could be trying, you could be doing the wrong thing. You could not be using it as effectively as possible. It's kind of like saying, "Oh, well, I targeted brides in Istanbul, but I'm in Canada. Like, what didn't work? Well, yeah, obviously you did the wrong thing. Like, you weren't targeting the right people, right? Like, um, and second, yeah, I do think that there is an element of um, longevity. I mean, you're not going to get necessarily immediate ROI, but at the same time, I would argue that when done effectively and you when you use the right techniques you can absolutely get immediate ROI. Um, I'll give a really quick example of how yeah, I was ask you can get like a quick ROI off of Facebook advertising. There's a thing, and now this is getting into the depths of Facebook advertising, but there's a thing called pixel tracking. Now, the gist of this basically is that Facebook, you create a Facebook ad, Facebook will give you literally a pixel. It's a one pixel by one pixel square that you drop onto your website, and it gives you instructions on how to do it, so it's not too overly technical. But basically what that allows you to do is track which people have been to certain pages on your website. So I can then, if I have this pixel installed on my website, 
I can go on Facebook and say, I want to serve this specific ad only to people that got to my contact page but didn't get to the thank you page that they see after they filled out the contact form. So these are like hot, hot leads, people that have gotten as far on my website as the contact page but just didn't actually contact me. That Facebook ad could say something like, hey, we're still available for your date, or it could say something like, hey, remember how you were looking at our page here, or award-winning photographer wins blah, 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 some kind of engaging piece of content that someone that's been on your site, has looked through your stuff, and has made it as far as your contact page would be interested in. You can get literally immediate ROI out of that, because that's someone that's already there, already potentially ready to buy and contact you, they just maybe forgot, maybe they got distracted, maybe they went on to another tab, and you can use that as a means of re-engaging them and getting them back interested. And you don't have to wait months for that to actually come to effect. They have to just see it a couple times, and they'll probably get back in touch. Hmm. I've had that exact situation happen many times. I've had brides book me that when I, when I do my meet and greet with them, I say, talk to me a little bit about how did you find me and, and why have you decided to book with me? And they're like, honestly, I was looking at your portfolio. I loved your work. When I got to the price page, you're just a you were a little bit over our budget. But then afterwards, for the weeks that followed, you seemed to follow me on Facebook, and I kept seeing your stuff come up everywhere. So I was like, this has got to be a sign. I should contact Brian and book him. And they did, and I'm like, yes, I was following you because I designed a campaign to follow you. But that was a, a case in point of how I can immediately take advantage of the, this kind of technology that we have behind Facebook advertising. Hmm. So does it work? It's, is it like a cookie, sort of? or It's kind of like a cookie, yeah. Basically, it, like if they load that page, yep. Facebook knows that they've loaded that pixel because it lives on, on Facebook's website. So then they can say they've loaded this page, but not this page. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, didn't, I was not aware of these Facebook pixels. It's amazing. Like when you get into the depths of that, like you can do some really fine-grained um, tuning to really understand and really give targeted ads towards people. It, it would be much less of like a, I am a wedding photographer ad and more of something very specific that pertains to the page that they were on. Mm, okay. So if you if people want to learn more about these Facebook pixels, where where's the best uh, place for them to go Oof. to read more about I mean, that? if you just Google, it's called Facebook retargeting. It could be called Facebook pixel tracking, depending on what site is writing about it. If yeah. you just Google that, that's, a, you know, obviously you're going to be, given hundreds and hundreds and thousands of results. One of my favorite um, experts in Facebook marketing, um, there's two of them. One is John Loomer, and you can go to johnloomerdigital.com, and it's J-O-N um, for his website, L-O-O-M-E-R. And then there's Mari Smith, who's also excellent with Facebook marketing education. So they both have podcasts and blogs and have educational content that you can follow them there. But warning, and maybe this is a good case in point, if you go to johnloomerdigital.com, you will see John Loomer Digital Facebook ads for months to follow. And it's, it's, it's proof that once you go there and start getting engaged in his cycle and get into the ecosystem, he'll try and continually keep you engaged there, and he does it through Facebook ads, and it's a great sort of case in point of saying this stuff works. Hmm, interesting. I must have at some point looked at, like, used Apple Pro, Mac Pro towers. Yeah. All I keep seeing is these Apple Mac Pro yeah. towers, and I don't remember when I did that, yeah. but now... A lot of companies do this. Another one that's really popular with doing it that I see all the time, if you go to homedepot.com and view any product, let's say you're looking at a shovel, you will literally see that shovel follow you for weeks on Facebook. And you'd be like, how did they know I wanted that shovel? Stop following you know? me, shovel, <laughs> get away. Yeah, and it's like, well, because they're using Facebook retargeting, but it's a proven yeah. technique that is extremely effective. 
Mm, very interesting. Well, that's good. We'll put links to those two uh, two um, resources that Brian mentioned mm-hmm. as well in the show notes because, yeah, I, I, I want to learn some more about that. <laughs> One thought that jumped out at me, like something that you said, Brian, um, I don't think, I guess you want to watch how you say this to your clients, but, like, I'm following you, I'm stalking you. Yes, that's the nature of how that works, but just let them think because they, like you guys are saying right now, like, let them think they came to your site and all of a sudden you keep popping back up in their lives. Right. Just let them think that. Don't right. you know, don't oh, no, go, yeah. hey, for clarification. I didn't say that. To, you, you know? I didn't say that to her. I'm saying that here in the education. Right, right, right. Like, but that's like context. Immediately when yeah. you first started talking about it, that's like the one thing that jumped in my mind. So I think, you know, I think it's honestly a great way of marketing. Just you know, people that don't know any better, don't let them know any better. Right. Yeah, it's exactly. your secret. Okay, so I want to I want to kind of diverge a little bit from this. I think we've all and I I'm the same. I kind of find my my efforts tend to get focused Facebook, Twitter, and then Instagram, and then if I remember, sometimes I'll occasionally go in and post some stuff on um, Pinterest, and then and then Google Plus. And you know there was a time where I thought Google Plus was gonna I'd be the one to watch, like, because I mean, really, sir, if you look at a lot of people, the first place they go, if if it's not a referral, is they go to Google and they search, you know, Edmonton wedding photographers or something of that nature. And I really thought that Google Google was going to really capitalize on their Google Plus. It was going to be their Facebook killer um, when it was first brought out. Um, and so I th- really thought, okay, Google Plus is something to pay attention to because it's going to directly impact those Google search results. But now it's sort of like wah wah wah. It looks like Google Plus is is um, they're kind of abandoning it by the by the sounds of things, um, breaking it back out into its component kind of pieces. Like we're recording the show using Google Hangouts. That's probably just going to get spun off as a separate product. And so it looks like Google Plus is maybe getting sort of killed. So I'm probably not going to focus too much on Google Plus any, anymore. But I hear rumors Google might buy Twitter. What do you guys think of that? If Google bought Twitter, what more could they do to it? I mean, I'm I know I you know they could, but like I mentioned earlier in the show here, I'm kind of over Twitter. It's just it's too much noise. Mm. You know, you can't really like in the beginning it was very cool because it sort of was a unique product by itself, and now to me it's just kind of noisy and there's so much going on. I don't know that's what they would do with it or what they would change. It's what the the data I think they would get from it. Because yeah. I think what's happening now is people aren't necessarily going to Google and searching something. They're relying on social media to give them news, to give them recommendations. Like if, if you want a recommendation now, instead of going out and searching for it on Google, you can just simply fire out a, you know, I'm in, let's say I was I was going to Niagara to visit Brian and I want a restaurant recommendation. I could throw something out on Twitter and say, "Hey, best Mexican restaurant in Niagara, go!" and and people would respond to that. So there's that stream of information. So people are using that from a search standpoint. You know, I've seen it here too, where people are searching for, "Hey, can anybody recommend a, a wedding photographer in Edmonton on Twitter?" Right, and then you can maybe connect with them, get engaged that way. So I think it's that Google sees that, and maybe that's you know they're losing some of their search revenue. So they maybe Twitter is the answer for them as far as like you know getting that real time news stream. So we'll see. I don't know, but that's the. I can see if there was like some sort of like slingshot technology in that. You ask that question, best Mexican restaurant in Edmonton, you know, Google s- sees that and then direct tweets you back and or some way says, 
hey, Brucey, you're looking for, you know, here's three suggestions. And it takes you to a Google page that has, you know, right. those, yeah, it could happen. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting to sort of see what happens in that arena, but um, that's the rumors that I'm hearing. So, so I want to talk a little bit about just um, overall strategy and kind of developing and coming up with a, with a social media strategy because I, I think a lot of <laughs> photographers, wedding photographers uh, in particular that I know, don't necessarily have a specific strategy uh, behind their social media marketing. It's more, they just kind of throw content out there without any real purpose or thought. It's just sort of, they. do you find that, Brian, with a lot of photographers? Yeah, totally. I think it's one of those things that like everyone is like, oh, I should go to Facebook. And then they're like, okay, I'm here. What, what do, do I do? do? <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's, so, it's so reactionary that people really forget to stop and, and think about what they're doing when they're there. And I think that's one of the biggest um, fallings of, of Facebook in, in, in terms of photographers even finding it to be effective. Because if you just go to Facebook and start posting exclusively images, like just pictures that you've taken at weddings, that's very self-serving. Um, it's, it's, you're not really engaging people in a level that goes deeper than just, here's my pictures, take a look, what do you think? So I think that one of the biggest, um, or one of the most effective strategies is think about what do you do as a wedding photographer? And obviously in this context we're talking about wedding photographers, but what do you do as a wedding photographer and what makes you and your belief system different than what everyone else does? And beyond that, what are some things that can be related to what you do as a wedding photographer that aren't necessarily wedding photography? Quick example is like, if you're a wedding photographer, people that are interested in wedding photography, what else would they be interested in? Well, maybe they'd be interested in florals or wedding trends or wedding blogs or home decor tips or how to hang portraits in, in a home. or There's all different kinds of things that are around the context of wedding photography that aren't wedding photography. And I think that you have to consider those, and those are the sort of um, pillars that you can build a content strategy off of. So it's not every day, hey, look at this picture I took last night. Look at this picture I took this weekend. Look at this picture I took this morning. It can be like, hey, I found this blog on trends of wedding dresses. Here you go. And so you're sharing things that A, isn't necessarily just your content, but also B, isn't necessarily completely self-serving. So you're building a more engaged community. It's like if you went to a networking event, you're not going to go to the networking event and just start throwing out your business cards. You know, like it's not going to be exclusively self-serving. You're going to engage people, have conversation, and try to find what's interesting to them build conversation around that. And I think that's what we have to do on social media is to figure out what is the context that surrounds what we do and what other things would our audience be interested in outside of specifically what we do. Okay. So I want to ask Robert, kind of what's your, do you have a social media strategy and and if so, do you do you want to share any of what kind of what's behind your social media strategy? When you post to Facebook or when you post to Instagram, kind of do you do with a specific intent? Do you have like a, a schedule around it, or what's your kind of your goal with your social media uh, marketing? Yes and no. I haven't in the past, and a lot of the things that Brian's talking about, like I've been researching and um, you know recently hired someone to kind of do a little more of that for me because I can't do everything. I do enjoy posting to Facebook, and I do enjoy putting stuff to Instagram. I'm pretty selective as far as Instagram about what I put up. I'm not one of those people that puts up like, oh, look at my food, or what am I doing? Like, I really, I want it to be a beautiful, stunning image. And every once in a while, I will put up something that's 
about me because again that's sort of the trick to social media it's a little bit about you and your personal life and you know what you do you've got to share kind of both sides of that and I've always had a harder time you know I'm kind of a private person but um, you know like letting people into that side of it and what I enjoy because people need to relate to you it's like what your common interests are you know and those things and that's you know how you engage people um, there's people that do it really well and then there's people that you know, need to learn more, but um, I am, I, I have recently been more concentrating on a, a Facebook, actually my page, my Facebook page, um, and so that's been interesting in learning some of the things like Brian was just talking about, like especially on Facebook, if you share other things on your Facebook page that are related, um, or things that you like or whatever, it definitely helps your reach grow, other than if you're just saying, me, 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 here's this picture, look what I did, you know, so, um, I've also experimented with um, the scheduling posts. Of course, you can schedule posts on your Facebook page. Um, and in doing that, you know, finding some of that other content that interests me, but yet I think it'll interest other people. Um, and I'll schedule that for like a week out and, you know, let it go. Because again, the more posts you're doing, the, the higher your reach goes up. Um, I mentioned that I've been experimenting a little bit with just the local like post boosting and just reaching people in my local area um, that I specifically want to target. Um, I like Brian's pixel thing, which I haven't done yet, so I will dig into that a little bit more. Um, but that's really like I'm starting to just, uh, you know, teach myself more, you know, and, and have more of a strategy than in the past because, uh, you know, whether you like it or not, I believe it's something that we have to do. Um, and, you know, I'm busy and I'm like, I can't do everything. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. I think most photographers would agree. Uh, but in the beginning, you kind of have to do it. So uh, it's just that's my strategy. I don't have a huge one, but I am working towards that. Um, and that, you know, I, again, like you hear these topics, it can be anything in life, but, um, you know, it can be overwhelming. And the only thing I can suggest to people out there, just like I do it, is like, you, again, you can't tackle and dive into all at once, but make yourself little goals and, you know, say, hey, you know what, this week, this month, I'm going to learn all about my Facebook page and what it can do for me. Um, so, you know, one little tip, too, that I've learned, um, Brian, maybe you can elaborate on this a little bit more, but, uh, you know, like, Instagram's a great example. So we'll take a picture, and we put something on Instagram, and then there's a little tab in there, like, send it to Facebook, send it to Twitter, send it to, you know, here, here, Tumblr, blah, blah, blah. And that's all great because you want it on those platforms, but the one thing that I've learned is that really if you have something worthwhile sharing, it takes a little more time, but you need to share it on each platform individually. Uh, you know, Twitter, you know, wants photos now. They want their own content. And you'll get a higher ranking, you know, and, and a better share if it is shared individually on each platform. So can you give more detailed information on that, Brian? Yeah, I think um, what is um, there's a book. Gary Vaynerchuk actually wrote a book, and I totally forget the name of it. I didn't actually read the whole thing, but he really put it succinctly. If you want to follow anyone that really teaches well on social media, Gary Vaynerchuk is a great one. Mm -hmm. One of uh, the best books that he wrote that I was one of my favorites is called Jab, 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 Right Hook. Um, and it's about this concept of giving value and then asking for something after you've given value. But in terms of, uh, of, of social media and the different platforms and all that, I mean, every social media ecosystem has its own culture, has its own language, 
has its own um, community and way of communicating. And so when you just post to one thing and then have it automatically syndicate to everything else, you're really kind of missing the point. You're missing the culture because how you post something on Instagram is probably not how you post it on Google Plus or not how you post it on Facebook or not how you post it on Twitter. So yes, it makes our life a little bit easier by auto-syndicating to all those channels, but you're kind of missing the boat in that you're not feeding into the culture of that platform. So I think in that, one of my suggestions, and I know we've kind of like danced around it a little bit here, my suggestion to photographers is to not try and be everywhere. I don't think that we can be everywhere as photographers. I think that instead what we have to do is focus on what works most effectively and really master that. And only once you've mastered it and you are seeing success with it can you start to experiment in other, in other areas. But if you start right now, let's say that you're not doing anything, and you say, well, I'm going to start, Brian is talking about this Facebook pixel tracking thingy, and Robert's talking about Instagram, and they mentioned Google+, and oh, Pinterest is cool too. If you go and try and do five, six, seven, eight different platforms all at the same time, you're going to suck at every one of them. <laughs> you're not going to yeah. really excel at any one of them. So my suggestion would be pick one, my personal suggestion is to start with Facebook, and really master that. And when I say master, I mean do it for six months before you make a judgment call to start going on to something else. And only once you've found success there should you start experimenting in other areas. Hmm. Agreed, agreed. So um, let's talk about then just about you know tips or strategies to kind of build an engaged following. Let's say we, we, we pick Facebook and say, okay, I'm going to go with Facebook here and really focus and concentrate my efforts on Facebook. What are some tips and strategies to help kind of build an engaged following? Because I think that's a, a you know an important part is you can't just have lots of likers or lots of followers because if you have like ten thousand because it was a time where you could you know there was services and companies that you could go out and buy followers you could pay followers and it was mostly people in India or China or something that would sign up and be a follower so you could have you know twenty thousand followers on your Facebook page but if only you know two of them inter ever interacted with your with your content. Facebook would actually punish you, right? Am I correct in that in that yeah. they would say, well, basically nobody's engaging in their content, so we're not going to like really boost it up there and share it. So you're actually better off to have a smaller number of really focused and engaged followers than it is to just simply go after numbers. Is that accurate? Yeah, definitely. You want to go for engagement, not necessarily. Like you want to go for quality, not quantity. I guess is a better way to put it. Okay. Um, Remind me what the question started out with. Sir, so some some tips answer. and strategies. Engagement. Kind of build, okay. Yeah, building right. engaged following. Right. Okay, so I think I think this is probably one of the things that every single business owner overcomplicates the crap out of. Uh, how do you engage, or how do you this, or how do you build a following, and all this? I always come back and ask the question: If you were to go to a cocktail party, how would you engage people? Like, how would you go up and start to build relationships with people? Because like Robert said earlier, and something I advocate for, that's what social media is all about, building relationships. So if you were to go to a cocktail party and you didn't know anyone, what would you do? And whatever your answer is to that, that's what you do on social media. <laughs> like I said earlier, you wouldn't just go to a cocktail party and start flinging out business cards and say, hey, I'm Brian, hey, I'm Brian, hey, I'm Brian, hey, I'm Brian. Like, you would not do that. I've met people go, that do that. Yeah, you would <laughs> met people, and guess what? You'd probably never want to meet them again because no. they annoy no. the crap out of you, right? Yeah. And that's what almost everyone does on social media. They go there and just talk about themselves. That's not how you engage people in life. That's not how you engage people on social media. So if you want to actually engage, here are some quick things. Ask questions. Talk about what's interesting to them. Talk about things that are not just within things that you do. Share other people's content. Invite other people into the conversation. 
There's all kinds of things. Like those five examples right there can keep you busy for the next year if mm-hmm. you just focus on those things. That, that it's, it's kind of as simple as that. I know it's like a really basic answer, but I don't know. Do you guys have any other thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've been trying to, to focus more on that myself too. Like one opportunity that we look at is if, if we ever work with videographers, um, who are shooting the same wedding that we're doing? That's a you know they're going to post, they're going to blog about it. You know, as soon as that goes up, I make sure that we share that on our Facebook page and say, hey, remember we photographed so and so's wedding? Here's a great you know here's their great uh, same day edit that their photographer that their videographer did, and you know so it's not sharing our content, it's sharing their content, but it gets again more you know more people seeing you you know your work via their you know kind of their work and it totally it's, it's kind of like. If you can picture, let's picture that same cocktail party. Let's say that there's 100 people there, and then, Bruce, you and I walk in, and we know each other. So we walk into the cocktail party together, and we see Robert in the corner of the room, but we don't know Robert. Or Sorry, you don't know Robert, but I know Robert, right? How do you know I'm standing in the corner of the room? (laughs) Well, I'm I'm just saying, you know, like, let's say maybe you were... (laughs) Because that was my question. What if you're the person that just walks into the room and stands in the corner and doesn't say anything? Right. Well, that's the problem, right? I mean, that's that's equivalent to someone starting a Facebook page and never doing anything. You know, people are like, "Who's that loser in the corner of the room?" and and you never go anywhere with it, right? So of course you're not going to build relationships. But that example, Bruce, that you talked about would be like me walking up to Robert and saying, "Hey, Robert, I know that you and I know each other. Let me introduce you to my buddy Bruce. Bruce does this amazing thing with his camera where he throws it up in the air and he you, you got to watch this here. Let me pull up my phone and show." you, right? Now all of a sudden I've given a warm introduction to you and Bruce. There's now context around it. I'm deepening my relationship with Bruce. I'm deepening my relationship with Robert and I'm creating value for the two of you. And so that's how social media works. When Bruce, you go on Facebook and you say, hey, we worked with these great videographers this past weekend. Check out this great video that they made of this wedding a few weeks ago. That's the exact same situation. So that's where I mean like when you talk about the cocktail party, just act like you would in real life and don't don't be a self-serving loser in the corner. You know? <laughs> nice. Good. I, I like that. I like that analogy. So um, uh, let's talk about times to post on social media because I think that's um, you know part of you know part of your social media strategy is when do you when do you share all this great information? When is the best time to share it? Is it mornings? Is it evenings? Is it afternoons? Do you think it's okay to share the same content? you know, more than one time. So you're hitting different different audiences. Like, what are your kind of takes on that? Robert, I'll maybe throw it to you first and then over to Brian. What, uh, do you have a particular time where you find you get the most engagement in your content? So with my ongoing education of uh, social media, I've actually heard this for a while. Um, I think, you know, they say like Wednesdays and Thursdays typically are one of the best days. Um, I mean, just if you think about Monday being like, okay, everybody gets back into work and their boxes are full of stuff and they're going to have less time. But in the middle of the week, you know, okay, then they might have more time to to see that stuff. Um, And I think that's also going to depend on who you're targeting and, you know, who you're after because different people have different habits on the Internet. And if you think about, um, you know, well, I don't don't want to post in the middle of the night because nobody's awake. But if your market happens to be overseas or some other time zone, then that's when they are. Uh, so you have to just think about that stuff. But uh, let Brian even say more. <laughs> let, let Brian rant about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a rant. I just know you do a lot of you know work on it. Yeah. I'm sort of in the you know beginning phases of teaching right. myself all this and learning about it. And right. Um, I guess it depends, right? I mean, 
The answer would be yes and no. And I don't even know what the question was. So that's why that's that's how irrelevant my answer is. <laughs> you know, I mean, a lot of people obsess over little things like that, where it's like, oh, well, what time should I post? Well, I heard that like twelve o'clock noon is the best time to post. And my rebuttal is always, well, on Facebook, it's never a linear timeline, anyways, because Facebook takes the content, puts it into the Facebook machine, and decides to spit it out whenever they decide is right for it to be spat out. Mm. Right? So it's not like when you post necessarily has any effect on when it gets shared or when it gets shared or when it gets shown to anybody. So timing doesn't really matter and timing is going to be different for everyone. Um, for me, I've always found that my audience is most engaged first thing in the morning and right around 7 o'clock at night. Hmm. But that's me and that's when I find my audience is mostly engaging with my content. Someone else might be completely different than that. Um, for SproutingPhotographer.com and our podcast, we're all over the place because our audience is international. So we, when, when I post something at night and they see it at night, people comment at night. But that doesn't mean that I necessarily should only be posting at night. So the timing doesn't really matter. My suggestion to photographers is don't obsess over things like that at all. That is like such an, an advanced and almost minimal thing that get things working first. And then if you really want to like play with that a little bit, you can. But more specifically to the question that you asked about posting things more than once, absolutely. Because Facebook will choose to show your content or not choose to show your content. And on average, if you can hit 2% of your viewers or your audience, like on Facebook, for example, then you're doing a good job. 2% of your, of your audience, that's considered to be a good job. So if I post something this morning and 2% see it, and I post something this afternoon that's the exact same thing, another 2% might see it, the chance of that 2% having any overlap is extremely low. So posting content several times in a day is actually a really good strategy. Hmm. Good, uh, well, good. Adding to what you said, Brian, as far as, you know, mm -hmm. let's say noon, you know, you determine, oh, noon is the best time of day for you to post content. But it's not the best time of day for you as the photographer to post because it's just your busy time. Mm -hmm. like, And so you don't do it. Yeah. You're better off to post it when it's when it's convenient and best for you than to not do it at all. Exactly. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, I think the takeaway there would be focus more on like consistency, doing it you know in regular intervals, putting good content out there. Focus on the content and the message, mm -hmm. and not so much about the necessarily the timing. And then, like you say, once you kind of have that machine going and, and you're in that yeah, process, totally. then you can maybe start to fine tune and really get into the analytics and start to nitpick about okay, do I post it at you know, at 11 a.m. or 1 p.m. Right. or, you know, those kinds of those kinds of things. But I think just getting the engine going first yeah. and getting the car Absolutely. moving on the highway, right, Absolutely. before you worry about, you know, what that, what is my precise kilometers to drive at to get the best fuel economy. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think actually what Robert said is perfect. I think most photographers struggle being consistent once a day, let alone fine-tuning when in that day is, it's being posted. So get consistent first and then worry about, you know, perhaps experimenting with times of the day if you want to. Yep. And just as a reminder, we already said this, but if we're just talking about Facebook and your page, you can schedule posts. So mm -hmm. if it's convenient for you to work from 1 till 3 a.m., and but you want your posts to go out at 8 a.m. in the morning while you're still sleeping because you were up all night, you can schedule it to do that. So you could sit at the beginning of the week or on the weekends and schedule all your posts on your Facebook page for the entire week and not have to worry about it. So it just depends on how you want to do your workflow. 
And I think another thing to consider too is if you go if you go and follow what everybody else is doing, like if everybody else tells you, yeah, one o'clock in the afternoon is the best time to post, and everybody posts at one o'clock in the afternoon, your content's just going to get lost in the noise, right? It's just the fire hose, and it's just another thing. But if you maybe go outside of that, like I've found, if I post stuff even later at night, the engagement is actually higher because there isn't as much content in people's feed, and therefore they're going to see it better. But um, you know, so I, that's just my my personal opinion is kind of go, you know, go where the crowds aren't. Good point. <laughs> okay. The thing is, I mean, I know a lot of the conversation that we've bounced around here is regarding Facebook, and I think I think it's actually okay that we do that because, in my opinion, and again, like that's I know that's what works most effectively for me, but in doing social media consulting for other photographers and in talking with hundreds if not thousands of photographers about social media, that's always where I've always found that sweet spot for most photographers is that Facebook is, for bang for your buck, you're going to get the best ROI out of it. Yeah. Hey, Brian, I know, you, I know you need to get, do you, could you quickly, I was wondering this earlier, Yeah. Um, like what about some success stories from people that you've helped, like give us some like what they've tried and what's worked for some of your Oh Just gosh! One person or two. Totally. So I mean that the pixel retargeting that I talked about earlier—that's something that I almost always get into with everyone that I do work with because it's such a little-known feature for for the sort of the masses in terms of Facebook advertising, and yet it can give the best results the quickest. So that's always something that I do, even if it's as simple as putting a pixel on the home page of your website and then making an ad that retargets those people to say, hey, you visited our website at some point, come on over and check us out on Facebook and start to get into our ecosystem. Something as simple as that to basically say, hey, you've obviously visited our website, so you obviously have some kind of interest in what I do. Why don't you come on over and join me on Facebook and we can keep going with that conversation. So it's not even salesy, it's not pushy, there's not any specific call to action other than hey, I noticed you're on my website, want to come chat on Facebook? So it's just like a really quick way to engage them, and then once they come into your ecosystem and you have a good Facebook content strategy, you're constantly talking with them and you're top of mind for them. So you kind of bring them into your ecosystem, you nurture them when they're there, and when they're ready to buy, they'll go ahead and buy and book and do whatever they got to do. Um, so that is a success that I can attribute almost to every single person I've ever worked with because it's a really quick win. And it works almost undoubtedly every time. Nice, nice. Now I know Brian has to jet, but he promised he was going to nerd out about his pick of the week. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to change the format <laughs> a little bit, and I want to I want to do our picks of the week again. We could probably come back and talk more about this on, on yeah, sure. episodes and, and dig into it. But I think we did a pretty good job, at least, sort of touching on some of the social media things to consider. But so I want to I want to just quickly jump into our picks of the week, and then we'll we'll come back and answer a listener question um, after that. But uh, so each week we will choose something that's photography related item that we think would be a benefit to wedding photographers, and it could be anything as long as it's somehow related to photography or the business of photography. So, Brian, go. You got your nerdy pick. You're going to nerd out on this. I want to hear is, what it is. This is very loosely related to photography, but I'll okay. still make an argument <laughs> We're gonna stretch it's it. related to photography. Okay, okay. I'm going to show it for those that are watching. Okay. I'll explain okay. to see what it is. Okay. You guys know that I, I'm, I'm a big traditionalist and a purist in everything that I do, both in like believing that the printed photograph is the best way to enjoy photography, but also um, I write, like, and I write everything like on paper before mm. it gets onto the computer, whether that's me writing an article, a sales page, or anything, or even just like when I'm brainstorming with clients and stuff, I'm always writing things on a piece of paper first, because I believe in being disconnected from technology when I'm in a conversation. And so um, 
I'm totally a nerd when it comes to like writing utensils and and paper and different things like that. It's just the way that I am. And the particular pick that I'm going to choose this week is a pencil. Um, and I know that that is incredibly nerdy, but this pencil is called the Uni Kuru Toga. Um, it's by the Japanese. Yeah, it's Japanese. Um, but the thing that's most exciting about <laughs> about this pencil, you guys are like, oh my gosh, is he really going there? <laughs> The thing that's most exciting that I've always found to be a challenge with mechanical pencils is that you're constantly wearing down one end of the lead, and then as you do strokes with the pencil, you get variances in thicknesses of the lead because you're using the one side that gets worn down versus the other side that's sharp. So this pencil is actually the only one in the market that auto-rotates as you write. So every time you... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> this is like ultimate nerd discussions here, but as you lift the pencil off the paper, it rotates the pe the pencil lead ever so slightly so that when you put it back down, you're getting the same edge of the pencil that you left off on. So you have consistent thickness and consistent writing through everything that you do. Like, That's I, like, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, since you're claiming it's a nerdy thing and it's a pencil, can you do... For those that can see this, no, I totally can Spin it on your fingers, like I'm so not nerdy in that sense. That's I used like, to watch the kids in class yeah. that could do that. <laughs> I would just be like, "Oh, I'm so jealous." Yeah, yeah. I think I'd be scared too because the lead that I buy for these pencils is like a really delicate lead, um, and it's got like some weird infusion in it that makes it really nice to write with. But I'd be afraid that if I tried that, I'd drop it and I'd break the lead on the inside because it's so sensitive <laughs> that I don't think I would want to try learning it. So no, I'm not. I'm that, not. That, I'm not that, athletic nerdy. I'm just nerdy. Is that's CD nerd coming? Yeah. <laughs> so what are we looking at for one of those pencils? They're not expensive. They're like seven bucks or something. Like Staples or no? So that you actually can't buy them in stores. Oh. Okay. Uh, I I buy these from JetPens.com. J-E-T-Pens.com. Oh, okay. Um, I like. I totally nerd out when I go to that site and just. I love. I could get sucked into that site for hours, totally. and I really shouldn't be. So yeah, JetPens.com. It's a great little fun pencil. Cool. I, I love writing with pencils. Um, and this one just makes it that much more enjoyable. Nice. Well, speaking of writing, do you mind if I, Robert, if I go my pick? Because it kind of relates to Brian's. No, no problem. I'm calling an audible on this one. I was going to choose something else, but I'm gonna, you, your pencil pick made me choose this. <laughs> it's a new service. My friend Jasser alerted me to this service recently. Oh, I don't know if either of you guys have heard yeah. of it. It's a company called MailLift. Mm -hmm. You guys heard of this company? Yeah. I have not. It's pretty cool. So what they do is they will do, if you don't like to handwrite letters, they will actually handwrite letters for you. So what you do is you email them the content of the letter, and then they will, they have a team of people, and all they do all day is sit there and handwrite letters. And then they will actually arrange it so that it gets mailed from where you live. So if you want to send like a thank you note to a client or a thank you note to a vendor um, or just any letter uh, that you want handwritten, you can send it to these guys, and then they can also include like your business card or any other mailing piece you want with it. They can even send a gift along with it. It's a pretty cool service. So um, yeah, it's maillift.com, and you can sign up. And I actually signed up, and they sent me. I don't know if you can see it here, but they oh, sent cool. me a letter. I got I got a sample letter from them, and it's you know, hey Bruce, thanks for signing up for a demo of MailLift, and it was yeah, all handwritten. So if you don't like writing like like Brian does, uh, but you still want to send a handwritten. Um, marketing piece to people, um, MailLift is kind of a cool option Very cool. Uh, to check out. Very cool. So, 
Excellent. Well, I know, Brian, you have to duck, so let's just tell people where they can find you, and then we'll get Robert's pick, and then we'll answer a listener question. So yeah, if people cool. want to find you, Brian, where can they find you before you Thank get a you. duck? Thank you, yeah. So if you on social media, um, I'm everywhere um, at BCAP Photo, B-C-A-P-P-H-O-T-O. Uh, if you want to find any of my education um, about – I actually wrote a great article that I, I love personally about content marketing um, over on SproutingPhotographer.com, so that's where all of – I live in terms of, I've got a podcast as well, yep. um, and I write about the business of photography, so sproutingphotographer.com would be the best place to find me. Fantastic. Good stuff. We'll put links to all of those in the show notes. So I know you've got to duck out, so we'll yep. let you run and get on to your important matters at hand, and then uh, Robert, I'm going to get Robert to pick, and then we're going to answer a listener, listener question. So good stuff. Right. Mr. Evans, what have you got for us? What's your pick this week? So mine's going to be a little bit of a, uh, because it's, Maybe those that are watching can see I'm on my laptop on my deck. This yes, looks lovely out there, by the computer way. Computer issues. Um, and I was expecting a package today from FedEx, so I put a note strategically on the front door saying that please come to the, my back office and knock on the door because I know it will need a signature. And I did jump up in the middle of our podcast and get the package. Oh. Now, I don't think it's what I'm waiting for. I think it's something else. So, um, But it's going to be... You know, it's going to be the Russian roulette um, pick of the week. I could start off saying that my pick of the week is Amazon because I spent a ton of time shopping on Amazon. And my only point to, to you people is that I know it's not, but you don't have to get in your car and go drive and get it and spend that money. So it's a great source in that way. But I think I know what this is. So I'm just going to open it Ooh, up. We're going right. to have a live unboxing here. A live, unboxing. live unboxing. What have we got? I think I might know what it is. Oh, oh, it's not what I thought. I, see I think I gave, I, I gave this last week. Um, this is the brand new. This was my pick a couple weeks ago. This is the brand new Sony RX104. Yes, yes. Um, I've never had a point and shoot, and I've wanted one um, just to have a camera with me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've actually been holding off to purchasing this camera because uh, I knew they were coming out with a new one. Um, I thought I was going to get, so I'm going to get two brand new cameras today because Ooh. Sony's sending uh, all the artisans a brand new uh, Sony A7R 2 That's what I thought it was going to be. That's what I thought it was going to be too, but then it was like too light. And I also ordered some hard drives, and that's actually what I thought was in the box. I didn't know it was this. Well, that's that's cool. That's a pretty tiny little camera. Do you want to yeah. un unbox yeah, it I'll here? Unbox show? It Let's so. unbox it and see. I'll try and describe or try and describe it as uh, you know yeah, as you're opening it for our listeners. So this is a, this is kind of Sony's new new little point and shoot. Comes uh, in a little nice, uh, but yeah, it's very very tiny. For those of you who can see it, do you those have you something for reference? If you're listening, you'll have to go to uh, our web page and. Yeah. Watch the whole episode online or scan to the end. But yeah, it's a little little tiny point and shoot. Let's see if it uh, has battery already in it. I don't probably know. Battery is not included. No, it does include the battery, but let's see. Put it in there. Yeah, I've been really excited to get this, and these are amazing. This, you know, this one shoots 4K video. It shoots slow mo. Has a little uh, pop up flash that I just popped up. Um, so, what do you plan on using that for? Is it just going to be kind of your walk around pocket camera? Exactly. Like I want something with me at all times. It has um, 
it has the pop-up viewfinder, which I need to figure out how to how to use. Yeah. Since I've never played with this camera. What's the specs on that as far as like a, the lens and focal lengths and that kind of thing on it? Uh, so the lens on this is a, you know, I believe there's Zeiss lenses made for the Sony. And it's a uh, 2.8. Um, and it is, I think, 24 to 70. I could, I could go to the website real quick and look. Yeah. So, so that's just, again, just something you wanted something more than your iPhone, but not like right. a... I, and you know the best thing, like, again, like, people will say, well, why do you need a point-and-shoot because you have an iPhone? I've heard people say that. But you know what? Like, the cool thing about these Sonys is they have Wi-Fi built into them, mm-hmm. and you can send the images from your phone or from your camera to your phone yep. uh, or what via Wi-Fi or NFC technology. Um, and I love doing that because it's just a much better image. I'd rather capture it on here and have a great, you know, I have it here too, but I can send it right to my phone. And if I want to send it out on Instagram, it just looks a lot better. You know, there's the pop-up viewfinder. Would you see yourself using that on a wedding day to maybe just like, say you shoot some stuff and then you take a quick one with that of say a detail or something like that, that maybe you're going to share on Instagram or Facebook or something. Well, um, that's the good thing about Sony is all my Sony's have Wi-Fi, So I can do that no matter what camera I'm shooting, but yeah, I might use this on a wedding day. Just, uh, you know, just something in my pocket. I mean, you know, every once in a while, you know, you got to go to the bathroom or do something in a wedding and you put your camera down or give it to your assistant. And, you know, like if I had this and I happened to see something along the way and this is in my pocket, you know, I could just take it out and take a picture. Um, so people would say, yeah. is, that a, is that a camera in your pocket or are you just... <laughs> <laughs> are you excited about being at the, about being at the wedding? Right. Um, I wanted it really, honestly, just to like have with me, you know, I might... Uh, take it with me, you know, in the car, just so that I always have something and I'm not necessarily, so maybe I could hide it in my car. So if somebody, you know, worse come to worse broken, they wouldn't find it. And it's not where they were looking, but I always have a camera. So you never know, but I'm excited to get this and use it. So that's my, uh, impromptu right from the box pick of the week. Very good. I like it. I like it. So the Sony RX 104, 104, very nice. And and Amazon was your sort of like, are you a Prime member? Yes, I am. Love Prime. Yeah. Very nice. So, but I do shop on Amazon. Like, I actually thought those were going to be some hard drives that I ordered. Um, so that's kind of what I expected. I forgot that. Well, I had ordered this, and I had ordered a bunch of other stuff, and the camera didn't ship until uh, end of July. So it's just arriving. I got the first part of my order. Yeah. Very nice. Good stuff. Good pick. Again, we'll have links to all the uh, all the picks this week uh, over on our website. So just visit the blog post for this episode, and you'll see the picks for this week. Um, so I think we've got we have a listener question, but you know what? I think I'm going to put it off till the next uh, till the next episode. So we'll we'll tackle that yeah. question on the next episode, uh, and uh, just kind of wrap it up there. What do you think? Yeah, try right. to try to keep our podcast as short as we can. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, so before we kind of wrap uh, wrap things up then, uh, we want to thank, you know, people for uh, listening and uh, for tuning into the show. Uh, if you've got questions or comments for the show, be sure to share those thoughts. Just comment on the blog post for this episode. Or, again, you can email us at twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com. So, with that being said, uh, we've already told you where you can find Brian. Uh, Robert, where can, uh, where can everybody find you hanging out online? Uh, pretty much everything I have socially is my name. So Twitter, Instagram is at Robert Evans. 
uh, Facebook, Robert Evans Studios. It's my uh, business page. And what am I missing? Um, Google Plus, Robert Evans 101. My website, robertevans.com. Perfect. Excellent. Again, we'll link to all those things. If you're looking for me, uh, you'll find me over at my website, which is momentsindigital.com. There's links there to our blog as well, which you'll see our recent wedding work we've been doing. And then if you're looking for me on the social networks, most of the social networks, you'll find me at uh, Bruce Clark. And that's Clark with an E. You'll find me on Twitter, Google Plus, Facebook, Instagram, all those good spots. So... And that, I guess, brings us to the end of another episode of Trip Weddings. So thanks again for listening to the show. And uh, we want to thank you for listening to Trip Weddings, raising the bar one wedding at a time. Mm-hmm.